1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inclusive Collective, where we share stories and learnings of inclusive people, organizations, and innovation. I'm your co host, Rob Hadley, people and cultural strategist, specializing in DEI and people analytics. And with me, as always, is Nadia Butt, an organizational development and belonging strategist. Nadia, welcome. Yes.
2: Hi, Rob. What a special episode. Hi, Nadia. We have What's today? going on? Well, we had Thanksgiving. <laughs>
1: we had thanksgiving yeah i'm
2: coming i'm coming out of my thanksgiving food coma (laughs) are you
1: (laughs) yeah a little little quieter this year for for good reason we're gonna have a very big holiday season so we wanted to kind of chill this this thanksgiving and how about you
2: yeah i was gonna ask you actually what's your favorite thanksgiving what's your favorite like meal or food at thanksgiving what did you enjoy so this past my
1: week? favorite thing which i don't get to what i don't get to enjoy is so you know my family's from kansas and you know what we do in, K- in kansas <laughs> we put have mashed potatoes with noodles on top of the mashed potatoes i think it's like a i think it's something from it's like, like a, a
2: casserole
1: no no it's like you have your mashed potatoes but instead of putting like gravy put noodles with like you know with 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 like uh like a broth on it as well so you're just you're just heaping carbohydrates on top of carbohydrates it's just magnificent it's just like if you can't get enough carbohydrates and and guess what we can't my wife i was like what
2: does your wife think about all this
1: (laughs) she just allows it she just (laughs) she's never inclusive she's never inclusive around the holidays in terms of the foods that i want to eat she's like no that's terrible
2: That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that as a meal um, or a part of the meal. So that's interesting. That's different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How about you?
2: Uh, well, we went to our cousins who she she prepares like a month, maybe six weeks in advance all the pie wow. crusts that she she does about twelve to fourteen pies. Uh, for no. we there's about forty people that show up. Usually between thirty and forty people. Obviously, the pandemic it was lower, but yeah. Um, so she makes homemade pies every Thanksgiving. They are delicious.
1: Whoa! I definitely want to be invited to this. Is there any way I could yeah. score an invite?
2: Yeah, I think she she would like <laughs> Juliana.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
2: me I mean you, yeah. Yeah, you you you'd fit I mean, in. I think we are, it's a very diverse group of people, so you would definitely fit in.
1: Oh, awesome. Awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're yeah. always more than welcome. I'll have to tell her to include <laughs> you next time.
1: Yeah, for next year. I mean you got you got, you got 11 months to sell me, right? Yeah. For, for next year. So before true. You start. So you can true. tack on the 14th or 15th pie. Yes. So um, what are so we doing, doing something today? Different today? We're we have yeah. no guests today. As we as we as we come through the holiday, I want to give everyone time to to rest and recover, yep. and so we are going to spend a little bit of time answering some questions that we have gotten either from social media or emails or just in everyday interaction with with clients and friends, uh, things that that are very commonly asked of us, and yep. we're going to go through it and uh, and uh, and answer some questions. Did you get are any are you, are you...
2: from Alex, your neighbor? I'm curious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I get it all the time from Alex, and I love that. we should. We'll have to have we'll have to have Alex come and do a special episode with just we Alex.
2: Love that, yeah, so good.
1: <laughs> um, so, are you ready for the first one?
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, I can kick this one off as well. So, this is obviously something that we hear a lot because we focused our season one on founders, so startups and venture capital. The question is i recently started a company how soon is too soon to start thinking about a dei plan for my company Mm. let me let me kick it off and say first go back and listen to season one of inclusive collective because all the answers (laughs) are there that's they really are it's pretty it's pretty good so two main points that i had from that season that i was was Mm -hmm. going back and thinking about that so one every decision even those made early in a company's formation can be viewed through a lens of you or being exclusive. So mm-hmm. how you build the product, how you think about the needs of diverse consumers, who the mm-hmm. co-founder is gonna be, getting to know them and what they value and what diverse characteristics they bring to your company uh, and to that venture, how they think about DEI, what's important to them, what types mm-hmm. of investors and advisors that you want to work with. All those decisions can be framed as either inclusive or exclusive. You think about mm-hmm. how you're going to be inclusive as you go through that. You know, so that was one thing that the big takeaway from talking to all those different founders in season one. And I also thought any other reflections from season one that you wanted to pull out?
2: What I learned through every, mostly every person we spoke to is that their identity is like core to the mission and vision and values of their company, which also play a part into like the company and its growth and how decisions are made. So I just I, I feel like exactly what you said about like learning more about your customers, your customer demographic, maybe even the community that you're in, um, your identity, how that plays a role, then that's all really coupled into your company. And then I have another thought on this, but but I want you to react to that.
1: Yeah, I think I'm curious as well, like, I think you're probably at the earliest, earliest stages, when you're just starting to think about it, you'll start with a DEI statement, you'll think about how you want to align your business internally and externally from a DEI perspective and that standpoint. And that something that you have so that as you make those decisions, you can refer back to and make sure that you're aligned with how you're thinking about and prioritizing diversity, equity and inclusion in your organization. And continually have those frequent discussions about what DEI is, is for you and your company with your co-founders, with your new team members. And just be okay with the fact that it's going to change and iterate and 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 uh, you're going to have to con- and frequently update it as you go along and you start to grow.
2: I struggle with this question, Rob. I struggle with this question because to me, then you're already thinking of how to separate DE&I mm-hmm. from the company core. And that's not DE&I. DE&I is everything related to your business. It is the decisions you make, how you interact with your customers, your people. It literally should just be embedded and thought about at every single phase mm-hmm. of your company. When you start to separate it out, then it becomes separate and it becomes not ingrained into the core and the culture of your workplace and your company values. So I would encourage you to always be thinking about D E and I and how that plays a part in the workplace and out the work- outside of the workplace.
1: Yeah. I think we're saying the same thing, right? Yes. Or, or my... totally yeah. Where where sitting down and actually saying very clearly this is how you know this is how dei is embedded into the core of our business yep. and so that you have something as a touchstone to reflect on and make sure that every decision that you're making you can go back to and say are we living up to that standard that we've set for ourselves right absolutely
2: yep
1: yep awesome awesome, awesome. awesome. so question second two. question
2: Yeah. so this was um this was i can say it this person okay. um wrote us in and they wanted to know, what are the benefits and weaknesses to having an unlimited vacation policy? Okay.
1: Oh, oh hey. Hey.
2: Rob, what are, you, what are your thoughts?
1: So from the perspective of what we're talking about, what we talk about here every week, I think the, the foremost benefit is that you're telling people that you believe that they're adults and that they can be trusted. And so that mm-hmm. act of extending trust – is really essential, right? Allows them to trust you as a leader then. And obviously we think that trust is an essential component of developing a culture of DE&I. And And there's some, obviously some, you know, there's a ton of uh, counting pluses and minuses there. You really have to think about it. You know, anyone can can look those up. You know, one potential downside for employees is that when they leave, they haven't accrued any vacation time. So sometimes that accrued vacation time can be a really nice, benefit for employees when they leave an organization if they have some paid time off or flexible time off accrued as well so that's so just make sure that you're communicating why you're doing it as well uh and then the other thing i would say is like don't call it unlimited vacation because that sends the signal that it's all about the vacation do it something to reinforce that trust it's it's it this is our you know, your awesome employee policy, team flexibility and well-being time. Make sure that it's people understand that what it's for, right, and and, and right. why it's so important and why it's such a great benefit and why as a leader you feel that it's important to give ultimate flexibility to your employees.
2: Sure. Yep. Totally agree. Um, some other pros that I would, like, add is that when there's unlimited PTO or unlimited time off, people who may use it for like holiday purposes that maybe don't mm-hmm. celebrate like the traditional Christian Absolutely. or Western holidays that are celebrated in, in the Western worlds. They're able to kind of take that time that they need. I know that like when I first entered the workforce, my holidays were not provided as time off. And if I had the opportunity to have unlimited PTO, then I, I would have taken it instead of working. Cause I did end up working on my holidays. Um, Cause I didn't want to take the, the planned time off or the unplanned time off. I think organizations are doing this because it, there's not a direct correlation, but there is a correlation to employee engagement, maybe even employee productivity. And it's a great recruiting benefit for top talent because talent right now, that's what they're seeking from their employees. Like what extra benefits will you give to me that will make me want to stay here, right? And so it reduces, it, it indirectly re- can reduce turnover. Um, by just that be- offering that benefit. Um, not always the case, but perhaps. Some cons, yeah. there's been studies that show like people don't take the PTO and that mm-hmm. there tends to be high burnout. And then, um, like you said, there's there just has to be a lot of trust involved so people are not abusing it or overusing it or like not even using it at all, right? Like the studies show like people aren't taking it. Um, and so that high burnout in turnover could could very well come. So there's a balance. It has to
1: go with a, a modeled behavior of actually taking it and using it in the right way as well, right?
2: Yeah, Yep. that m- role modeling is so key, yep.
1: All right, so that question is. three. Yeah. All right, so I'm looking to, so this is the question, not me. I'm, I'm looking to hire three people to my small team. Uh, they'd be in various roles, sales, marketing, and product. We are a startup, so we can't pay a lot of money. What are the best ways to attract talent? Also, what should I be thinking about in terms of the hiring process? Oh, I missed the second part of that question. Hopefully you, you caught that.
2: Yeah, I think <laughs> I did. Yeah, what should I be thinking about in terms of the hiring yeah. process? Yeah.
1: So best ways to attract talent. We just mentioned one. You just mentioned a pro to uh, to unlimited, which I said- Yeah, unlimited,
2: unlimited PTO. Unlimited that's PTO. what you should all Done. do, no. Yeah,
1: that's one.
2: not. I don't know if that's necessarily. I think that depends on the culture of the organization. But I think to a top tra- uh, talent, like, be clear about roles and responsibilities Mm -hmm. be clear about expectations be clear about your working style and your leadership style be clear about your values your mission and vision you know i would have you can think about like how are decisions made because that's where bias creeps in the most what are the benefits I would say, especially as a startup, because we heard this, is like equitable pay. I think there's Mm -hmm. huge gaps in the startup world because you tend to hire your friends and you'll, you know, I'll pay you this amount. And then when you start really like scaling and growing, there's becomes huge gaps. And so thinking about like equitable pay, equitable and behaviors, what are the equitable resources and accommodations? Those are things that I would think about when you're attracting talent. What would you think about?
1: Uh, First thing I would do is send people an email in the middle of the night telling them that I need them to be hardcore. (laughs) That's the first thing I would do. You twit. (laughs) I'm looking for someone else hardcore. That's what I would do. Uh, No, but I, so, you know, assume that you're going to be pulling people from existing roles. They have people that are working in other companies, you know, what do you have to offer? Especially if there's, you know, if they're offering more and, and, and they're offering better benefits, right? So, I was thought of, I kind of raised up a little bit. I mean, obviously, you you can offer a piece of the upside, you can offer equity, a uh, chance to grow and, and make a lot of money. But really, I think that the thing that you offer as a startup is your vision. Hopefully, mm. you're building something that you can be proud of and that you're deeply passionate about. You can offer your environment and the culture that you're creating. People want to feel seen and heard in their environment where they feel. That they're unappreciated in their current role, um, even if they're making a greater amount of money, even if they have better benefits as a leader, this is something that you can control right? as a startup, mm-hmm. as you're building your culture, you can you can control the culture that you're building. And if you create an environment where people feel that they can be themselves, that they want to be part of, then you have some sort of a there's a competitive advantage there as well. Right. You know, growth and variety. <laughs> You have that to offer as well. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're offering greater responsibilities, or you're hiring people based on the potential that you see. You know, I personally always at a big company, and I like to do a lot of things, Nadia. I like to be involved in a lot of different things. And so, at a big company, you're very specialized. You say they say, you know, do this one thing, and you're like, well, but I have some ideas about some stuff going on over there, and they're like, no, you do one thing. You say there. <laughs> shut up. Do the one yeah. thing that you're supposed to do.
2: Yeah. Put so, your head down.
1: <laughs> yeah. therefore it's just an opportunity to give people an opportunity to, to be in a, lot, in a lot of different things in a smaller company so I think that mm-hmm. can be super appealing as well
2: yeah for sure what about the hiring process so that like second half of that process um or that question like what should I be thinking about in terms of the hiring process um I would think about um job descriptions like the language that's used like how inclusive is it how inclusive is the hiring process um maybe who who's doing the interview if you're like a solo person you know is there an opportunity to maybe get like board members that you've had part of like a panel process i would also just consider like what's the criteria that you're looking for how inclusive is that criteria Um, so those are things that I would, I would suggest. What, what are additional things that you would suggest Rob?
1: I love all those things. The one point that I, that are, that I was thinking about was as part of your hiring process include diversity, equity, inclusion, competency, right? So you're usually hiring in the early stages of the organization. You are hiring people that are going to be heads of something right? They're they're more senior roles. You start with someone who you want to actually take a leadership role in the company, and you don't have a DEI leader at that point, as we just talked about. So make it part of your interview process to have competency in the issues that we're talking about, because Mm -hmm. these are the people that are going to be you know, especially early in the company, they're gonna be the cultural DNA of the company and yeah. they're gonna bring more people, they're gonna hire people in. So if they have competency in these issues, then you're, you know, you're more than halfway there if you get people to actually understand and and know what it means to be inclusive and, to, and who value diversity in an organization.
2: Yeah, sure. Awesome. Uh, question four. So we had someone um, post this to us um, on social media. There's a lot of talk about layoffs across the economy. What should I be doing to protect myself in my job?
1: Well, it's, <laughs> it's probably too late. it's probably too late if you haven't done some of the things that I'm talking that I had and hopefully maybe you have some things that that are more proactive um because you should always be thinking about this especially if you're at a larger company there's very little we live in an at-will employment society so that means that you can be fired you know whenever whenever uh you, you need to be uh the good news is that means you could also be hired right so that's the that's the thing right so Companies can lay you off as soon as they, as they want to. So Facebook and Amazon, they're, they're literally cash machines. They're just printing money, but they've laid off 20,000 people over the last couple of weeks in those, just in those two companies. So first thing I say is, you know, obviously as a given, do a good job, (laughs) like perform. Um, so we'll assume that we'll take that off the table. I think the biggest thing is build a network inside and outside the company and make it a diverse network, right? That's the thing that will insulate you from everything within your career. Mm-hmm. inside the company play what well, so that means play well with well with others with other departments make sure mm-hmm. you're meeting people in other departments make friends be interested in what's happening outside of your own role because the easiest landing spot when you are laid off is either one floor up or one floor down right mm-hmm. so just moving to the next department who you may have established a relationship with uh, that has the added benefit and I'll talk a little bit more about this. That if you are forced to leave, the people that are going to be most helpful to you in your life are going to be the loose connections. Um, mm. the, there'll be people that have left the company from other departments because they won't have overlapping networks with you. When you work in a company, let's say if you worked in a company for like five years and you're laid off, you know, the people that are useless to you are the people that are you know that you're working with every day over the, those five years, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, you you know, you get laid off, and you're like, hey, um. I'm looking for something. You know anyone? And they're like, no, I just know you.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, we've been right.
1: working together every day for the last five years. I just know you. And so they're useless right. to you. And they're they're lovely, but they're useless. And so yeah. outside of the company, expand the network, go to talks, events, go to your local library, yeah. uh, date a lot of people, I don't know. Um, yeah. have coffee. <laughs> you know, make those loose those loose connections are the things that are gonna be really valuable if you find yourself in a situation where you need to look for another job.
2: Rob, are we a loose connection what's that are we no little
1: and, and, and we're starting to get a little too yeah oh, yeah well, i think we were
2: nice. when we started this podcast i feel you know we worked in different departments we didn't have like st similar overlap we're starting to right. now yeah but <laughs> yes, yes. We need, but we i feel like distance. we were a loose connection yeah. <laughs> yeah i love that i i'll just add uh agreed everything you said the only things i'll add to that is i um right now i do a lot of support with um Whether it's friends or just people in updating their resumes, helping them, you know, update their LinkedIn profiles in various industries. And for some reason, this like motto has organically formed, which is ABL, always be looking. I'm Mm -hmm. a big advocate. Like even if you're comfortable in your job, you should always be looking for like, what's the next thing? Maybe it's not necessarily career development or it's like the next, you know, hierarchy, like ne- next roll up, but always be looking because I've just personally, because of the number of layoffs I've been on, the num- what I've seen in organizations in terms of just change management, how economy influences a lot, political. Po- you know socio political issues influence a lot always be looking and that includes all of those things that Rob you mentioned like the networking and and the dating <laughs> you know like going on <laughs> coffee dates with people yeah. connection understanding what um, is out there and what people do so it's it's um, really, really important great.
1: and I think that I you know, didn't take it as seriously when I was at a large company obviously you're very busy and you're like and you're busy with work and you're busy with the family you think that you're you have a network because you know what a ton of people in that organization but you yeah. really got to get outside and you really got to. Like you said always be looking and if you don't want to consider it looking for a job that's why i say just you know always be meeting people yeah. you know and, and there's a double benefit of making the world a better place right yeah. <laughs> and you just yeah. have more fun in your life the more people that you meet
2: yeah I think. and i think i and technically too like i don't know i hope we answer that question but like if you're looking to protect your job and like If there's legal things that you're asking us, because we're not lawyers, but we would encourage you to reach out to like your employee relations. If you feel like you've been wrongfully laid off or I I just want to make sure we're answering the question in a way that we perceived it. But if there's a legal question that you have, I would say like talk to an employment lawyer, talk to your employee relations person, make sure you understand how you're protecting yourself in your job. Um, We're just not lawyers, so we can't speak to that.
1: Yeah, yeah uh that's great thanks for, thanks for drawing attention to that <laughs> that we may not have answered the we may have
0: question. assumed the question yeah
1: yeah <laughs> uh last one the allyship allyship what is yes. it and how does it apply in smaller and growing companies Nadia
2: I love this question um so you know for me like allyship is a it's I think it's a lifelong process of like building trust and Um, consistent relationships, and maybe even accountability with marginalized individuals or groups of people? Um, How does it apply in a smaller group? I mean, there's definitely some ways that you can, I think allyship is a little bit deeper because for me, when I think of allyship, I think of there's, there's recognizing your identity in terms of power and privilege that you might hold and how, again, you can support those marginalized individuals or groups of people in the workplace that don't have that privilege and power. And so how do you show up for them? And to me, in a smaller growing company, I think that could be things like um, awareness building. I think it's doing your own research and not always like asking the person who's marginalized like mm-hmm. what they think you should do. So one, it's like accountability to like bringing awareness. I think the second step is action. So like last week we spoke to Mary Fernandez, who was like the manager can just ask like, or have a box there that says like, are you seeking accommodations? And they, maybe you just throw that in like your Slack communication or your Microsoft Teams communication. Like, are you seeking accommodations? And that can help generate a conversation in one-on-one, you know, and then you're advocating for that person in terms of what their accommodations and needs are. I think that's a form of allyship i also think mentorship is a sponsorship right i'm a big believer of like if you see something you say something and like this concept of like bystander versus witness and like if something happens to me like something did actually happen to me in the workplace um i think i was sharing the story with you a few years ago mike emery a big shout out to you but um the the muslim ban happened in um 2016 or 2017 whatever year that was and from, you know, when Trump instituted this Muslim ban and I walked into the workplace and Mike Emery pulls me aside and he says, I will walk in the streets to, you know, to protect you and your family and your loved ones and all the Muslims. And that to me just like spoke sponsorship in the sense of like he's an ally to me. And of course, it wasn't happening directly to me, but it was happening indirectly to all of my family and my friends. And there was a sentiment that like Muslims don't belong in America. And then him vocalizing that in a meeting with other leaders was really powerful. That to me is sponsorship. And then I think there's again just reflection and um, introspection that occurs.
1: That that was great, and I think it was very thorough and gives nice bullet pointed answers. So I don't have anything tactically. I think from you know from my perspective and just thinking about it, and I think that action piece is. So I think it's rec- first the recognition of your power and privilege, and then aligning actions to help you those marginalized, minoritized groups. Um, What steps are you taking? So under that large umbrella of all the different things that you can do to make sure that uh, you're centering others in the work that in in the work that you're doing. You know, I I also wanted to add, I think I was telling you is on on allyship, what's one of the favorite things I like to measure. It's one of my Mm -hmm. favorite exercises in terms of, you know, measuring allyship. So you know, one of the common things you can do is you can Doing an organization, you can ask men, you know, in a survey, like, hey, do you speak up when, you know, let's say, for example, a male colleague steals an idea from a woman in a meeting, right, or, mm, <laughs> and then, yeah. and all the men answer that question, you know, 90% of them say, yes, I'm awesome at that. And then you uh, <laughs> ask the, the w- women or, or um, and you say, Do you get that kind of support when you need it? (laughs) And and then like like, only 20% say yes. (laughs) And and then look at the differences between those two groups and how they, uh, how they And it's a really really powerful because it's measurement tool because it's showing behaviors in a very clear, distinct way. Right? So even if you perceive that you're doing, having the right behaviors, you're doing the right things to support it. (laughs) But if others don't necessarily see the same way, the ones that you think that you're trying to be an ally for, the, then you have some work to do, and I think it's one of the yeah. one of the favorite tools that I that I use.
2: Yeah, that's great, Rob. Thanks for um, for sharing uh, those uh, those comments as well. So um, I think those were all the questions that we got for right now. Yeah,
1: keep those um, questions coming, though. Right.
2: Keep the questions coming. Reach out to us on all of the, the emails or social media platforms. We love reading them and hearing from you folks. And we do hope that these help. Um, so definitely reach out to us. We're happy to answer um, your questions. All right, well, thanks, Rob. That was great. Thank you for uh, thank you to everyone joining us this week on this week's episode. Inclusive Collective is a production of Refinally on Media. We'd love to hear from you. So send us your feedback. Um, at inclusive collective at refillion.com you can also find us on linkedin instagram facebook and tiktok if you like what you heard uh please be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcast if you want to get in touch with us for consulting services you can check uh, me out at nasconsultants.com and rob at tacanoconsulting.com thanks again um, for joining us we'll be back next week be well hardcore